Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Rob Hubel and Paul Shear host the popular weekly comedy showcase Crash Test at the UCB Theater in Los Angeles. And for one epic night, they took Crash Test on the road, hosting the show from a tour bus along the streets of Hollywood. Their Crash Test with Rob Hubel and Paul Shear first appeared on Vimeo On Demand and makes its TV premiere Friday, January 22nd, 2016 on Comedy Central. Hubel also appears as a recurring character on the award-winning Amazon series Transparent and the Adult Swim series Children's Hospital. He performed alongside George Clooney on the big screen in The Descendants and has roles in the upcoming films Keanu with Key and Peele and The House with Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler. Hubel and Shear also co-star in Pepsi's new ads promoting Super Bowl 50. There's a lot to get to, so let's get to it. Great. So, uh, Rob Hubel, thanks for thanks for sitting down and doing this. Uh, your special crash test with uh, Rob Hubel and Paul Shear debuts this weekend on Comedy Central. The special flirts with danger at times. When was the last time your actual comedy flirted with danger? Like physical danger, like like where people could get killed. <laughs> where you weren't sure what was going to happen. I know I know a lot of improvisation is is about taking leaps of faith, but when was the last time you you were really unsure what was going to happen? Wow. <clears throat> well, that's a really good question because we first started doing comedy like in New York, you know, we were a bunch of us were all performing at UCB at Upright Citizens Brigade. And we would, um, outside of UCB, we were so psyched to like try out comedy anywhere. We would go to places that we never should have agreed to go to do comedy. You know, like one time we did a show, some, someone that we knew said like, Oh, there's this Japanese art gallery in Midtown where it's going to be all like visual, you know, paintings. But then they, they also thought improv would be cool. So we went and did like an improv show there. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, failed miserably, (laughs) terribly, you know. And then like one time we got hired, I remember in New York to crash this, um, this wedding. It was like the, like the bride side of the family, they were big comedy fans. And so they paid us to come in and, uh, interrupt this like rehearsal dinner at this fancy restaurant and like do a bunch of comedy bits. Well, you know, the other side of the family did not like that at all. So like (laughs) just fucking failed so hard. But when you start out, you just, you're, you're eager to perform and you want to try out your stuff. So we would just perform literally anywhere, you know, places like that. Yeah. And then, and then after a while, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to fail anymore. So you, you try to, protect yourself and um so most recently i would say yeah i mean i've done i've done like uh other people's shows you know where it's like uh just like weird la shows you know that are sort of like new shows or something where it's just like an unproven stand-up show or just kind of like a new thing and like a restaurant like i've done i've done stuff like that out here in la Sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't go well. Because they have they have shows out there in backyards and yeah, patios yeah, we and did a show garages. And someone, yeah, yeah. Are you in New York? I'm in New York. 
Yeah, we did a show. Me and Sheer did um, a show out here in someone's backyard. And uh, I just remember Dan Harmon was there. Dan Harmon was on the bill, too. But um, it was, you know, it was just one of these cool, like, L.A. things. Like, hey, me and a bunch of my hipster friends are going to be wearing cool clothes and talking about our beards. And... um, we're going to be hanging out in this guy's backyard. You guys should swing by. And we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll do that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's a lot of like kind of, um, you know, weirdo shows out here in LA, but the, it's always fun to like try them. There's, there's a, there's a big one. It's a good one at this, um, fish taco place out here called Ensenada or best fish tacos. Okay. And oh. they have a, they do, they do a stand up show at a fish taco place like once a month, but it's huge. I've done that a bunch. All right. Well, I, I hope they're they're doing that the next time in, I'm in L.A. Does, yeah. <laughs> so I guess that knowing that there's all those weird venues for shows, I guess that makes the prospect of doing a show on a rolling tour bus not that outlandish of an idea to try. Well, we we are big fans of vehicle based comedy, Paul <laughs> and I. And we uh, when back when we were doing Human Giant, I wrote a sketch that we shot in a hot air balloon. And, uh, and that was really scary to, to be up in a hot air balloon. Like I, I didn't realize how scary that would be. And then that kind of got, got us like psyched. You know, we, we started talking about, well, what if we did a comedy show like on a, like on a boat? Like if we could get like, like a, like a love boat type situation, like a huge luxury line, but that seemed too safe. Mm-hmm. And then we found, then we found out about that giant glass bus that you guys have in New York. Right. The tour. And, I think uh, so. Yeah, there were, I think it might be the ride. Oh, the ride. Uh, okay. Yeah, and so we paid we paid them a lot of money. They had to drive that fucking bus <laughs> all the way across the country to L.A. for like one day. <laughs> and um, but we just needed it. You know, we needed a vehicle that no one had ever seen before. And when you see this bus, you'll get it right away. You're like, oh yeah, you had to have that. Um, you know, it's this big glass monster, and all of the the seats are like movie theater seats and they face the outside and they face like the sidewalk. So, so all we had to do was just tell the driver where to go. And we just go to all of our comedy buddies houses. You know, we go to like, um, or, you know, we told them where to be. Like we met Aziz at a taco stand and fuck around with him. And then like Natasha Legere, Natasha Legero comes out, you know, in a neighborhood. And then like, um, Rob Cordry and Aubrey Plaza are in it, their neighborhood, and then you know the Reno 911 guys pull us over and and get on the bus, and so you know we basically just had to tell everybody where to be, and then we uh, brought the show to them. Yeah, it's it's the show is for the people on the bus, but then it's also at different points for the people at who are just happen to be eating at the taco place or who are hanging yeah. out on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, we yeah. The cool thing about that 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 bus is that it had speakers on the outside of the bus, <laughs> right? And uh, and and speakers on the inside, so we could hear, you know, people outside if they have a microphone or whatever. The the audience on the bus can hear them, but then we could also on the bus yell at people <laughs> out on the street. So, you know, in between in between standups. You know, we'd be driving around and we'd be in traffic and we'd just see some weirdos hanging out in front of a 7-Eleven, you know, or and we'd, we'd just start heckling them. Or we'd see, like, 
a couple on a date at a cafe eating outside and we would just, you know, the bus would be stuck in traffic and we would just start making fun of them and doing their voices, you know, like, Oh, look at me. I'm on a first date. I sure, I sure hope I get fingered, you know, or something like that. And uh, so that's how we, that's how we passed a lot of time. How, how does that, how does that compare to, to your own first uh, visit to Hollywood? Well, um, I think everyone comes here with um, the first time you come here. It's Hollywood is magical. I mean, it's uh, the weather is beautiful. There's celebrities. There's the Hollywood sign and Universal Studios and Disneyland. And it seems so magical. But then when you actually um, move here, you realize that this is a giant shithole <laughs> filled with um, terrible, terrible people that really just want to be on a reality TV show. Yeah. And so every, every time I'm stuck in traffic, you know, I realize that, Oh, the reason why I'm stuck in traffic is because every dumb dumb from all over the country decided that they wanted to be famous. And so they moved to LA. <laughs> um, so that's what it's, that's what it's really like now. I sound like I'm really, <laughs> I sound like I'm really, um, into LA, don't I? Well, you didn't move there until you already had something established, right? Yes, and that's my that's my advice to everyone. Like, don't just move here. You you don't want to just like pick up and move to LA. It's 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 um it's warm and you won't freeze to death, but you will die from suicide. You'll <laughs> kill yourself. Because <laughs> it's so it's so bleak and there's so many shattered dreams here. There's so many shattered dreams that if, um, you know, if you're not careful, you will end up killing yourself. Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, uh, um, yeah, we didn't move here until we had a little bit of momentum. We had just done Human Giant, and um, we moved here um, in the middle of the uh, – of between season one and season two. So we just had a little bit of momentum, and we kind of had um, – you know, a way to kind of get our names around. And it was, it was really helpful. Otherwise, if you just straight up move here, it's pretty hard. Yeah. How, how, how soon into your own comedy career did you meet Paul Shear for the first time? Um, sorry, say that again. How early into your comedy career did you meet Paul Shear for the first time? Well, I really met Paul before I had a comedy career. I oh. mean, I met Paul through UCB really like we met way back um when we were just taking classes at UCB you know like um my roommate had taken me to see uh ASCAT and um I had never seen anything like that you know I had never seen the, the UCB used to put on a show on Sunday nights it was a free show called ASCAT and it was like um you know Amy Poehler and Matt Walsh and all the UCB guys but then they would have all their friends from Chicago. It was like Tina Fey and um, Adam McKay, you know, who directed The Big Short. Right. And, uh, Former head writer at SNL. Then, like, that's right. That's right. And uh, But then, like, you know, Brian Stack from Conan and Brian McCann and John Glazer and uh, Stephen Colbert, I remember. So And Rachel Dratch. And so it was just – I had never seen anything like that. And so all those people on stage – together it blew me away and right away i was like what how 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 where how do i get in on this so um yeah i started taking classes and that's when i met sheer i met sheer like um straight out of the gate 
in your first in your very first class or um no i don't know that we were in the exact same class but um we started um out around the same time Mm -hmm. and uh we were on different back then they used to put you on a improv group you know just to like get you started and so we were on different groups and then eventually um uh, we broke up our improv groups so that we could be together <laughs> more, more or less I mean, like, <laughs> like 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 you know the, there was like four guys or four people on our group and then we wanted to be with the four other people on paul's group mm-hmm. so we kind of the, the eight of us all broke up our improv groups and all got together. Was that the start of re- Was that the start of Respecto Montalban? Or that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Wow, this is deep, deep, deep cuts right here. <laughs> you did. You did your homework. I try to. Uh, what were What were yeah. you doing for work at the time while you were taking these classes and and learning the the skills of improv? Well, I I used to work in. Um, in TV, but I worked behind the camera. Okay. Uh, back then, I worked. Um, I worked for Michael Moore for about a year. I was a uh, I was a field producer for him, and I worked on a TV show that he had um, called The Awful Truth. Oh right, it was kind and, of uh, like a Daily Show esque. Yeah, yeah, they kind of did segments. Um, it was for Bravo. It was before Bravo um, knew what it was. Mm-hmm. You know. So Michael had a show on there for a couple of years. And so I worked for him for about a year and traveled all over with him. And then from there, I went to The Daily Show. And just very briefly, I think I worked at The Daily Show for about six months as a field producer. And the whole time I was there, I was just dying to be on camera. Like, I really wanted to be on camera. And um, I think I, I know that I got to audition for them a couple of times, mm-hmm. but I had already kind of... Um, ruined it because I had worked there as something else, you know, so they, they, they were like, well, you're a field producer. Why would we hire you to be on camera? You know? So, so I knew I, Oh no, I was like, Oh no, I'll never be able to be on camera at the daily show. And so, um, but anyway, that was my job. I I worked on different TV shows and, um, and then, uh, you know, I started taking classes in improv and about that time, um, I got a commercial agent and I started, um, getting, getting commercials. And so then, um, for me, once I started getting commercials, I was able to quit my day job because I was able to support myself with commercials. But even your, but even your day job was in show business. You knew. I had those jobs early on, like, like, uh, um, right when I got out of college and stuff, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I had like, yeah, sale, I had sales jobs and like, Um, I used to think that I wanted to work in advertising. That's why I originally moved to New York because I had told myself that I wanted to work in advertising. Mm -hmm. But what I, what I couldn't admit to myself that all I really wanted to do was be funny in commercials, you know, and I couldn't admit that to myself because that seemed impossible. Like that, that would involve acting and auditioning and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I just didn't have any background in that. I wasn't in like theater coming up and I didn't perform comedy in college or anything like that. Right. So I just moved in, I moved to New York hoping to like get into advertising. And then 
I, I had this crazy idea that like, well, I'll go to work and advertise him and somehow I'll put myself in a commercial. Like I really hadn't thought it out. <laughs> so luckily, l- luckily for me, um, the advertising stuff, I never got hired to work anywhere in advertising. I, I couldn't get a job. Um, so then I just sort of fell into improv and then that um, opened up, you know, UCB kind of changed everything for me. Yeah. And you you now have a resume that that I, I don't know the last time you looked at your IMD page or, or Wikipedia, but uh, it's it's gotten rather lengthy at this point. You know, I look at it about every 15 minutes <laughs> and uh, yeah, what's on there right now? What's the uh, I got to update that shit. I got to update it right now. Oh, my God. Someone's looking. At, no. Um, well, I've had a really interesting, um, you know, little ride so far because. I've never um, been just on one show for ever and ever. You know, I, right. I've never been on like a network uh, sitcom where I'm like the 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 funny guy who works in the office or whatever. You know, I just haven't had that. You know, so I would be w- uh, way richer if I was like on Big Bang Theory for seven years right. or Modern Family or something like that. I would be, you know, those people can, they probably have helicopters made out of, you know, gold or whatever, you know, whatever rich people do. Mm -hmm. I guess they make, you know, they make, what's the most lavish thing you could have? I guess you could have like a, a robot, like a fuck robot made out of like some sort of human flesh like material. (laughs) I don't know what rich people spend their money on. I'm just saying that if I were rich, I would build fuck robot made out of human flesh. So you're saying adult adult, adult swim and Amazon don't have quite the same uh, budgets? <laughs> well, not no, they don't. <laughs> and and then also like you know, the, a lot of the shows that I do, I either jump around and I'm a guest star right. for like two episodes, you know. I mean, if you look at my IMDb, yeah. It, it's um it's been it's been really fun because I'm never I don't ever get bored, you know. I get right. to show up for like a few days and and do a couple of episodes, but then I'm gone. I'm out of there. What's the first thing you do when you when you show up as a as a guest star for one or two episodes on an established? Well, well, you have to have some kind of power move. What <laughs> I do usually, because you know they can't fire you. They're not going to fire you. You're only there for like a few days. Right. But also, you want to show them that you are a power player. You know what I mean? So what I do is I show up on set, I'll walk on the set, and I'll tell someone to go get me breakfast. You know, even if it's not the right person, normally Mm -hmm. you would ask politely, you would ask a PA, you know, if you could put in a a breakfast order. Mm -hmm. But I tell someone, you know, I'll, I'll yell at someone, to go get me something that they don't even have, you know, like some sort of like buckwheat waffle or something like that that they don't even have. So I do that is the very first thing. But then after that, I get on my phone, Mm -hmm. I'll stare at my phone. And as I'm staring at my phone, I'll just start pissing. Like, I'll just like piss, like, uh, you know, like a dog would, you Mm -hmm. just like mark your territory. So wherever we're shooting, whatever location we're on, I'll just like take a piss outside in front of the house where we're shooting or, you know, if, if we're on set at a studio, I'll take a piss like on the set 
to sort of mark my territory, like the, in the same way that a wolf would, you know, like, right. and then, you know, invariably, uh, director or producer will come over and say, uh, Rob, uh, please stop urinating. You know, we're going to be working here today. Please don't urinate on right. the set. And so it doesn't always, it doesn't always work the way that I would like. Oh, then did you, did you learn those techniques from somebody or was that kind of improvised? It's something that I thought up mm -hmm. my own. No one ever told me to do that. And most people tell me not to do that. Um, <laughs> in fact, a lot of people think that that is why I never have been hired to be a regular uh -huh. on a sitcom. You know, like they say, well, you know, look at your IMDb. You show up for like one episode and then you're out of there. Maybe there's a connection. Oh. I, don't, I don't know. I can't figure it out. It's a yeah, it's, it's a vicious circle. Um, yeah. but you know, you mentioned wanting to be in advertising and I, I would be, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that just before I got on the phone with you, I was alerted to a very uh, brand new ad campaign that you're a part of with Paul Shear for Pepsi Cola and the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah. Well, well, let me explain it to you. Yeah. When Pepsi says, Hey, do you want to do some uh, commercials for the halftime Super Bowl show? Mm -hmm. You say, "Well, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't really feel like doing that." Mm -hmm. And then they say, "What if we pay you a lot of money?" Mm -hmm. And you go, "Okay." <laughs> and then they go, "You say, okay, I'm listening." And then they go, and also, we're going to get the rapper Pitbull to come out and hang out with you guys on set. And we're going to throw in Beyonce. She's going to be there. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to bring by you 2 And then we're going to bring Coldplay. Mm -hmm. And... And then you're all going to hang out together, and you're all going to be best friends. Then you say, "Yeah, I'll do it." Okay, I'll do it. But you have to say no. Um, that yeah, no. Do you have to say no that first time yeah, to make yeah, that happen? Yeah, same, yeah, same idea. Same idea as before. You have to pull a power move. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you always, you always got to be um, pulling some kind of power move. You right. say no. You act like a jerk. You know, you throw a tantrum, and then they sort of pacify you with these other nice things, you know, like you get to meet all these other people. Um, no, we were, we were told that we were going to get to meet Beyonce. That's why we did it. Oh, okay. And then the, uh, and then we didn't get to meet Beyonce. <laughs> and so, uh, but by that time, by the time we figured out that we were not going to meet Beyonce, we'd already filmed it. So oh. there wasn't much, there wasn't much we could do. Do you get to go to the Super Bowl? You would think so. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wouldn't you think that? That's a great question. Yeah. That's a great question. Wouldn't you think that after filming a fucking commercial for the Super Bowl sponsor, wouldn't you think that they would give you tickets to the Super Bowl? You would, wouldn't you? Any normal person would think that. Right. But no, no. Hmm. The answer is no. They did not give us Super Bowl tickets. Not yet. By right. Not yet. By the time the story runs... Yeah, by the time this the word gets out. Yeah, so obviously Pepsi is going to be reading this. Right. 
tomorrow. Yeah. So, yeah, as soon as they see this, I, <laughs> I would imagine they'll send our tickets right over. <laughs> Well, you did get to Do you go want to, one? Uh, do, do you if, want one? I'll, if you yeah, if I'll you get, get an extra one. one, yeah, please. Do you just want? Do you just want one? How many do you want? I mean, you might as well give you me got two. Friends, you, got, you got you got friends and family, right? Right. Okay. I'll tell you what. <laughs> we'll throw in a dozen Super Bowl tickets for you and your crew. Oh, cool. I mean, it's Pepsi. Right. It's Pepsi. They are the sponsors. We did commercials <laughs> for the Super Bowl. I can get you these things. <laughs> how, how how long do you think uh, you and and Paul will continue working on projects together? Do you see all this going, like uh, Keith and Mick? Um, I don't know who Keith and Nick are. Oh, <laughs> Keith and Nick. Yeah, I thought you said I thought you said Keith. <laughs> Keith Keith Richards. And Keith Richards Nick and Mick. Nolte? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said Nick. <laughs> uh, I think I I think I know who you're referring to. Oh, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger. Yes. Um, yeah. It, you know, we should be so lucky. Look, Paul is um, he's one of my favorite people to work with because um, he makes it so easy. You know, he mm-hmm. really does have um, uh, endless supply of energy and ideas, and so he's kind of the ideal person to work with. You know, he he really um, he makes it really easy and um, but the the truth of it is, is like I think we just make each other laugh. So as long as we make each other laugh, we'll keep doing stuff together, you know. But it's also good, that we, you know. We like to do separate things too. Paul does a lot on his own. I like to go off and do a lot on my own. But um, you know, when it comes to like uh, two man stuff, we mm. just have an easy uh, an easy way with each other. You know, I, I we perform together a lot out here in LA at UCB. We do a show. Um, we do an improvised show every week about Facebook, and then we do Crash Test, the special that you saw, the TV version. That came out of a show that we do live here. We host a stand-up show on Monday nights in L.A., late night, like 11 o'clock Monday nights. And um, so we do that, um, and, and you know, we've just known each other for so long, it, it becomes really easy to, to do stuff together. And I think we can, we know how to be funny together. It's not, it's not hard for us to figure out like, okay, are, are you going to say this? Am I going to say that, you know, we just know how to be funny together. So it's, it's really easy. So as long as it's fun, we'll keep doing it. Well, so far so good. Uh, what's the, what's the, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. What's the last uh, great bit of advice you've received either career wise or life wise? Before you let me go, let me ask you one more thing. Sure. Do you, as long as we're, as long as we're talking about Pepsi, talking about the Super Bowl. Yeah. Would you like? Would you like a lifetime supply free of Pepsi? Any flavor? Because I can. Any flavor. I mean, I don't know all the different flavors, okay. but I, I would assume there's Pepsi flavor. And then there's other flavors. Yeah, I'm sure there's like, uh, you know, I don't know. I can't imagine what the other flavors are right now, but I'm sure there are. And if, if, you, if you want a lifetime supply, unlimited, for free, right. just let me know after the interview. Let okay. me know, and I'll, I'll hook you up with that. Right. Well, I'm trying to cut down um, on, on my soda intake, but the fact that Pepsi has stopped using as much high fructose corn syrup and is now using real sugar, that, that really does uh, have some sway on me. I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not know they they stopped using high fructose corn syrup. Why would they do that? 
They're they're Why? that's that's what makes it so delicious. <laughs> they're making a move toward more natural sweeteners, I believe. Oh, that's bullshit. All right, I'll get on the phone with them mm-hmm. right after this and tell them to switch the machine mm-hmm. back over to high fructose corn syrup because I do think that's what makes it so delicious. So okay. I'll, I'll I'll talk to them about that. All right. Um, the be- well, your question was the best advice. Yeah, that you've received. Um, that that serves you well in your life and career. Well, that is a great question. Thank you. Um, and I'm trying to think of the best advice because people people love to give you advice, <laughs> um, but a lot of it is bad advice. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, a lot of people tell me to be, you know, more racist, you know, and mm. I'm like, no, 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 that sounds like, that sounds like bad advice. Right. I mean, that's um, just the election campaign. No, yeah, that's just, yeah, it's just, it's just the election. Um, no, I would say for real, the best advice that anyone ever gave me was to move to New York. And, um, for real, um, I was, I was living in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a sales job, and um, this woman that I worked with said, you know what you should do? You should move to New York for one year and just see how you like it. And at that point, I had not even thought about that. Like, I would never have even, it wouldn't have occurred to me. And New York was just not on my radar. But I, for some reason, it kept ringing in my ears that I should move to New York. I should move to New York. And so I just took her advice, this this woman that I worked with, and I moved to New York for a year and, of course, like, loved it after a year and hadn't even, you know, cracked the surface of it um, after a year. And so I just stayed there and stayed there and stayed there and fell in love with, like, comedy and with performing live. And it literally changed my life. I mean, moving to New York was the best advice anyone ever gave me. And people always ask me, like, you know, on Facebook, people will write to me or on Twitter. People will ask, like, how did you get into comedy? How did what should I do? And I always tell people move to New York because uh, you don't want to come to L.A. <laughs> it's, I mean, again, I don't know why you would move here, you know, unless you enjoy suicide or, or, uh, you know, addiction to, uh, to pills or, um, traffic, you know, if you love traffic, then move to LA. But no, I I think, you know, especially for comedy, I think that you should move to New York because it's really easy to perform a lot in New York. You can, you can get up on stage and you can figure out, how to be funny and what makes you funny. And, um, you can really nail your shit down in New York. And then if you want to, you can move anywhere. But I, I personally would stay in New York. Well, that's, that's great advice. And I, I thank you, Rob Hewell for, for moving to New York and meeting Paul Shear and, uh, being so funny together that we get to enjoy it in so many forms, including the new crash test special. Thank you so much, and I will have the Pepsi uh, all shipped to your home, and you can have as much as you uh, unlimited supply. Sounds like a Pepsi party in my future. I hope you enjoy diabetes. <laughs> Thank you, Rob Ewell. Wow.
This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. Theme music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Gigglechick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Things first.